On today's episode of The Real Dirt, we're speaking to Sean Holmes. Sean's the co-founder of Nectar Sunglasses. He's a real entrepreneur and started his first business right out of college. Launched right into an online health fitness program that failed miserably. He learned many experiences from that and others, and we talk about Nectar Sunglasses, a lifestyle brand of sunglasses for surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, and all things outdoors, including his new line made for the cannabis industry. That's right, you got to protect your eyes while you're growing, and Sean's helps us do that. So stay tuned for this next episode of The Real Dirt. Here we are in the real dirt again. On today's dirt, I've got Sean Holmes from Nectar Sunglasses. How's it going, Sean? What's up, Chip? How you doing, man? Oh, doing good, bud. Nice uh, sunny spring day here. Where are you at? We're located out here in Charleston, South Carolina. Nice and sunny here as well. Oh, Charleston. Excellent, man. I love the South. I'm from the South, too, from Georgia. Spent lots of time in South Carolina along the border, Georgia and South Carolina crawdadding and mushroom hunting and all other kind of stuff <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah sean so uh last time i saw you there was uh snow all around us uh we were right. up in uh utah at uh, the baby bathwater institute event i just remember every time i see you you had a fresh perfectly rolled joint for me oh yeah so guarantee it's in your pocket right now it's, and i don't even know right here there right, it is. yeah this is <laughs> This is a, this isn't a personal home role though. This is a uh, store bought Northern, ah. Northern Lights joint from one of my last uh, uh, guests. They left me a pocket full. Nice. The benefits of knowing what you're smoking. Yeah, out one, here. one of the benefits, man. Um, so yeah, me and Sean, we met uh, through the Baby Bathwater Institute. They're a networking group, we'll call them. Uh, they might not like that quite phrase, but uh, uh, me and me and Sean immediately hit it off, and definitely have had our share of networking. Um, Sean is uh, the purveyor of Nectar sunglasses, uh, and they make specialty sunglasses um, as well as just traditional sunglasses. The specialty sunglasses are for the cannabis industry. Tell That's us, correct. Tell us a little bit about what's going on, Sean. Well, find my lighter. There you go. We're we're pretty pumped up. We uh, the last time, the first time I met Chip, we were in kind of uh, sampling phasing, trying to dial in the lenses and and get them right, and did a bunch of R and D at some trade shows. And about a month ago, we just launched our our real edition of our HPS version um, for the high pressure sodium lighting, and then our LED version um, with the actual wrapped frame. We learned a lot on these trips and kind of made them specifically for each light, and then designed to block as much of the light as as possible. The new ones have a really great feel to it. Um, I noticed that all my, all my employees at Cultivate Colorado noticed it as well. Right. I think the ones that I sent you originally, the prototype lens, uh, was just a regular Wayfair, which what we found out and, you know, which is exciting for us. We got to go into some grows and actually try them. And, um, we learned that the, the, the farmers are bent over for the most part and, and the rooms are built to <clears throat> reflect light on in every direction. So that, that actual shape didn't block light coming from behind. So we designed the wrapped look um, just for so nothing really kind of crept in the back end. 
Yeah, a- absolutely, man. Uh, yeah, your first generation, you gave me a few samples of that. And, you know, people approach me all the time with new products or cannabis related products. And I get a, a first generation and, and then that's it, right? They, that's as far as most people get with it, right? So uh, I, I knew I knew when we met that you were going to, you know, there was going to be something that came out of this R&D, right? And previous you had, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, a an R and D product. It wasn't. It was a little clunky. The it didn't quite like, you know, uh, uh, it didn't fit right. Um, and you actually did actual research on it and decided that uh, you needed a more wrap around sunglasses, uh, and that's what you call it, right? Wrap around. Yep. Right. Mm. It was exciting to go see. Uh, you know, the reason how we kind of got into it was we saw this market and we knew we wanted to kind of be involved, but didn't want to touch the flower, but kind of be an asset to, you know, the industry. And that was kind of our first step stab at it. And I think our goal is eventually to kind of polarize the the lens so that you can wear them driving and then come right into your, your grow and they work perfectly fine. And right now they're just UV 400. So you can't, they double as sunglasses. They'll protect you, your eyes outside. Um, but ultimately they're made for indoor use primarily. So, you know, I just want to step back a little bit, Sean, and, yeah. and say that, that, that you had the, a sunglass company initially and you just decided to get into this market. Like, what was that moment where you became interested or, or, or had that aha moment that like, you know, that fire idea that entrepreneurs often get? When did it become dream to reality? Um, this was back in, in Richmond. We were... Um, at the time before Facebook's algorithm changed to limit reach of business pages, because there's so many people popping up, we did a lot of like and share contests with uh, other brands and businesses. And we found a glassblower, uh, kind of a local celebrity in Richmond that, you know, his name was really well known. He made really incredible pieces of art. You know, it was an art form as well. He made skulls and really intense stuff and um, did a collaboration giveaway with one of his pieces in our product. And we went to his studio and he said, Guys, if you can put this glass lens in your frames, you'll kill it. Because this market for glass blowers, they're all about swagger. They got a sick hat, watch, shirt, shoes, and then they're wearing these dumbass, like goggly, protective eyewear. Um, and that was kind of where we went home and researched. And we found um, a few different domestic distributors who made specialty glass lenses for blowers that blocks infrared. You can basically stare at the sun so with these you, things. You are, pardon me, were you already making sunglasses or this was the idea, the startup? This was, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the specialty world. Yeah, of yeah, our, yeah. Our I, I, I do mean the special. I, I guess I mean the specialty world, but you just made it sound like it was the beginning. You were already making sunglasses. Uh, yeah, we had been, uh, at that point, we've been doing it for three years. Um, and for a sunglass company, as you can imagine, it's pretty competitive. And we were looking for new channels to to reach out and, and grow our product Um and this was just kind of something that fell in our lap, to be honest. And <laughs> those are the best ones, right? <laughs> yeah, the glass point thing, it's a uh, free throw. Yeah, it, it was uh, fascinating because the price point was very high and these guys pay a lot of money for these things. And we were able to create a product that, that added color. Like we could, you know, females who glass blow wanted some pink pairs instead of the stupid looking clear ones. And we, we offered the new style to this market that had really never been seen for glass blowing. Um, and that was kind of the intro to specialty world for us. Um, we recently launched um, blue blue light blocking lenses for people who are on computers and phones and all day. It's very you know terrible for your eyes, and we filter out 
about 95% of the blue light that comes from your computer and phone and TV. Um, and then that's also led us into the, the, the marijuana world as well. Um, we did find a couple brands that were doing it and we knew that they were a little bit too expensive and we wanted to find a price point that made sense for people who got sticky fingers half the time and these things might get destroyed over, over the course of a year. So you saw market share. You saw that there was a, a, a place in the market. You were already had a product that you could just manipulate or change a little bit and, and sell directly to the cannabis industry. Right. right. And then correct me if I'm wrong, because I, you know, still we're, we're always trying to learn more. And especially about this industry, it's to us, it's very exciting because it's an easier sell to somebody who needs this product when I'm trying to sell a pair of sunglasses to somebody who's had every brand in their lifetime. And what's going to make them want to try us besides we got a cool brand and a good price point. So what I found at these trade shows, we went to the big show in Denver uh, a year ago. Uh, it was fascinating to me. Uh, when we go to a trade show the, for the, our the big company, show, now uh, explain what that is. That's a a, a head shop show, a, trade show, or it's a distributor. A little bit of everything. You got the, the vape guys over here. You got the soil people here. The lighting over here. The glass blowing pieces on display over here. Um, and then some of the kind of festival hippie looking setups as well. There was like some nitrous tank dispenser, whatever it is. And the dude's booth was just a fucking pallet and nothing else. It had like one sign on it. The pallet was still wrapped. I was like, dude, this guy's not even trying. Like no one's even at the booth. Like, so what was weird to me is that I think that the, the industry is so young and still trying to, who, who's going to step in and dominate this thing. Right. Um, with, with shows we go to, there's GoPro and Hurley and Vans and in the action sports world of our retail section and, these guys dominate. They have a block yeah. that is one booth. And, and yeah. at the one big show, there's a lot of little guys. And, and kind of something that was another moment for me that I got excited about was I found that there was more products than there was a brand, if, if that makes sense. So like with Nectar, we promote the sweet life. Go do what you love. And, and that's why we offer a low price point so people can not be afraid to wear their glasses to the beach or to the river. And they should be an, an asset to your adventure and your outfit and not a burden. And and kind of how we pitched it to people out in Denver was, it was like, this is a, a way for we can pivot our brand into this industry because I met, met Kyle Cushman and this guy was like, he was deeply passionate about growing weed and, and you could see it and that's mm-hmm. his sweet life. And so we can kind of pivot our brand over to this market and, and say, hey, where are our products? This is a sweet life. I'll, I don't know if you've noticed, but on the inside of the arms, it says true color because that's what we found from the you know, R&D that this is what really mattered. They need to see the deficiencies and defects and be able to make adjustments in that real color lighting, which is what our glasses will deliver. Just to back up a little bit, this is one of the things that fascinates me about the, the current cannabis industry is that there's such opportunity for the, the young entrepreneur or the, just the new business entrepreneurial person to uh to get involved in it right the uh uh, just like you said with the trade shows they're not like so intimidating or difficult to get in right Right. like like the action sports trade shows skate snow surf like camera like all that stuff's like wow man those guys are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars at their booth some of them right and that goes on in the cannabis world and the hydro world too but it's really a mom and pop type of environment right now you know, and I've seen the, I've seen my hydro industry go like full bore from mom and pop to corporate kind of back down to a reasonable level now. Right. And and I kind of think that's where it's going to stay for a little while. Right. But 
But it just makes that barrier to entry so much easier when you see things like that. You're like, wow, I can I can compete with these guys. Right. 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 <clears throat> uh, and, and that's something I promote with the cannabis industry and why it's growing so fast right now and why so many people have realized that, you know, well, I, I like weed and there's all these people that are weed people now. So maybe they're my customer. Right. And that's where me and you are. We're not selling weed. We we love cannabis. We love weed. But, you know, we're selling to the weed customer. Right. And it just exactly. when you think about it that way, it's like, oh, wow, it's almost endless business opportunity. It is. It's a uh, what are your thoughts on like where you see it going? Like, I still feel like it's the Wild West of uh, it is the Wild West still. It's just starting, it's ex- man. It's just starting. I, we met these guys at uh, Canagro was another one we did in San Diego. One of the coolest trade shows I've ever been to. Um, have you been to trade shows with, with your uh, shops? And- yeah, yeah, totally. I've been to uh, uh, many of the cannabis, canna trade, uh, canna spanabis, uh, <laughs> you know, NCIA, uh, maximum yield, like industry news, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. We go to all those trade shows or have so- in the past, right? This one was cool. Well, one, it was like at a resort, so you didn't have to leave and drive. You just got to walk straight to the little venue, and it was very nice. intimate. I think 70 businesses there. And um, what was really cool is that when you're at a trade show, from my experience, I, like, I, meet, I see people, and I get locked into my booth. I don't really get to make my laps as much as I'd like to. And um, at the end, everyone just jets for the doors and goes back to their bar or get dinner or whatever. Uh, at Canagro, as soon as five hit, all the – attendees left and, and the vendors were all there and they brought out open bars that slid out and they had little apps going around and of course everyone's stoned so it was just fantastic really well done and that was probably my favorite trade show i've ever been to oh that's great man uh it's you know that that really is the best part about the trade shows when you combine that social element into business right i i hate the i hate the whole, whole economy of it right i know i'm fixing to get a bunch of like blog <laughs> stuff right now, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, you, you pay like the union money to move your crap in, you pay the union money to move your crap out. Right. You got to pay yeah. 2,500, 5,000, $10,000 for the booth. And you know, uh, you, you, I've done hundreds of these now. Right. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I'll just shut up. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> yeah. You got, to pay, you got to pay like 300 bucks to use a dolly temporarily. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey man, I think, uh, uh, my fussing is a good place for us to take a break here and I'll come back a little more mellowed out. Um, Hey, this is the real dirt chip Baker and Sean Holmes from Nectar. Denver normal is an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the mile house city while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our values, a deep love for the community, the cannabis plant, and a commitment to educate our audiences. Thanks, Denver Normal. That's right, and we're back. Just had to have a little puff out from uh, Earl's Dispensary up in Leadville. He was just down here the other day. They grow all-organic, hand-grown weed. Uh, by the sun they're the highest commercial dispensary or highest commercial grow in the world 10,250 feet um greenhouses pretty cool and next time you're out here we'll have to go up there and check them out nice that's pretty high up yeah totally they're they're yeah high up (laughs) there you go (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, most of my guests, it's, it's either, it's either weed or business, weed or business, uh, you know, lots of them, it's weed and business. I love business. Uh, I've had businesses and, and, and sold and bought things for sale since I was a, l- a little kid. Um, I, I like, let's talk about being an entrepreneur and a, a, a business founder and builder. How, how did you get here, man? What, what started the, the sunglasses? Um, I, I had an opportunity to work with a, uh, an entrepreneur in Georgia, kind of dropped everything to go work with him. I, I asked if I could shadow an intern and kind of shot me down for several times and finally got a chance to move to Georgia. That's what brought me back down there. Um, I think in that first six months, he was feeding me books and I learned more than probably throughout college. And, you know, in college, I did play baseball. I thought that was my life for a minute. Um, but I realized quickly that I couldn't make it to the pros and was shifting my you know, focus to where I could grow and, and develop and um, met this guy and he was incredible and taught me a ton. Um, I actually moved to Georgia. I learned, he was like, you got to start a company. You know, I can't teach you without starting anything. So at the time I was with my best friend and we moved down there together and we started an online fitness company. <laughs> um, wasn't our passion, but we did. He was an ex-Marine. So we did Marine cardio mixed with a uh, high interval training, that stuff we did in college for at baseball and did a sick 20 minute workout. It had testimonials and the whole thing and, uh, didn't work at all. You know, we, we had this big plan for it and uh, fortunately it didn't pan out because I wasn't really super into it. But the only analogy I can put in place is that if you had a trainer and you're like, Hey man, I want to go try this new workout, Sean's workout, your trainer's going to go no, Let's stick with what we're doing. So the market was really hard to get in. So that, that was a failure for me. Lost all my money into that. How, um, how much, do you remember how much money your original investment was? I think we each put in about 3,500 to get the website going and videos and everything like that. And at the time in college, that was everything I had. Sure. Oh yeah, uh, totally. It took me to a low point, you know, where I was broke and trying to rebound. And then, um, my current business partner now was was slinging these super cheapo shades in college and hit me up. It's like, Hey man, you're doing this. You know, I want to start a company. Would you want to do it together, but make it around our lifestyle? We had kind of grown up surfing and skating and, and snowboarding together. And, um, I said, if we can make it around something that you know, makes sense and that I can get passionate about that I'm in, you know, he found the market for college kids that they wanted to wear these shades and party shades really that they're going to get lost or broken. Like why are people paying so much money for them? And we had kind of seen that direction happening with some of our competitors now, but people are, were doing, it just wasn't exploding then. So he moved down to, to, uh, Atlanta and slept on my couch for about five months. And at that time we found dist- manufacturing, got samples, created the website, um, and with a, a little help from our friends and family, I think it was about 6,800 bucks was what it took to get that first order. Um, and there wasn't a lot of units either. I just remember being in the shower and my dad had called me and was like, what are you doing down there? I was like, I got an idea It's for, uh, sunglasses. And I just remember being in the shower, looking down, just staring and thinking this better fucking work because <laughs> I was <laughs> broke and, and really, um, had failed in my mind and, and I'm competitive enough to want to redeem myself full throttle. So, 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 okay. You're at this point now. I love this. You're, you're at this point. You've, you, you, you've, you, you tried one business. It didn't work out. Right. So you, you, you started to do another one right now. What, what made you, did you have a job at the same time? Did you have a day job? I did. You I, did. I was waiting, waiting tables. So you're waiting tables. Right. And why, why, what led you to think you were, this was going to work out? Why did you keep going? I think the, uh, I feel like I let 
myself down and then I was almost embarrassed because I left and I had the, like, I talked it up. I had a dumbass going away party when I left for Atlanta thinking this is it. Like this dude's killing it. I'm going to make as much money as him. And he was into like uh, affiliate marketing when it was booming back then where he'd send an email to his affiliate list and make like 60 K in like a few days. Holy shit. This is real powerful stuff. And, and, um, I was so embarrassed by the fact that it didn't work and I, I wanted to prove to myself that I'm going to make this work. And, and mm-hmm. I think I was more excited. I learned so much from that first attempt that I wanted to try it again. I wanted to implement shit that I, I did wrong and I, I think we could do differently. And, and unfortunately, another very competitive market with eyewear. But that's what I enjoy about you know, entrepreneurship and business is that it, you know, if you can just make decisions and solve many problems and, and just constantly adapt and evolve, you're going to succeed. Part of it was you had seen someone be really successful in internet marketing, right? You you, you kind of saw he he led the way for you. you. You had a taste of it somehow, right? It was like not internet marketing. It was more so the power of the internet. I the knew I wanted to create the internet, right? I wanted right. to create something and leverage that. And it was 2010 at the time. So you had a vision, mm-hmm. and then you had a prideful moment. <laughs> Right, (laughs) you got bit in the ass, and you had this prideful moment, and that's what that that drove you to it. Now, interesting, you haven't really said the money though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're working at the restaurant, feeding yourself, right? Did you have just dreams of not doing that? Oh yeah, I mean, it was. We knew that to grow the company, you got to put it back in early on, and we did that for about a year and a half or two years, and it got to that threshold of like we could keep doing this and stay stagnant or we could pay ourselves enough to get by and fully commit to it, which was a exciting moment and scary and and kind of all the above. So now you, you're, you're standing in the shower, standing in the shower, thinking about what (laughs) makes a man. And if my sunglasses (laughs) are gonna work out, right. That's what's going on. So, uh, let, let's go back to that. You're standing in the shower thinking. Yeah. So, Anyways, we'll fast forward to when we pick up the product. So we did a, at the time we used to build them. I built them by hand. I would put on rubber gloves, pop the lenses in, screwed on the arms, wrapped them in tissue paper because we had no packaging or microfiber bags or anything, and then put a note in there and shipped them out. <laughs> uh, when we first got the shipment, it looked like we were carrying just kilos of cocaine up into our apartment in Atlanta, just running them from this truck, uh, <laughs> white white shoe boxes full of plastic pieces and. Um, we were so pumped up. We were blasting music and trying, we were like ready to fulfill the, the 32 pre-orders we had gotten mm-hmm. and we couldn't figure out how to put the lenses into the frame. We were breaking lenses, breaking frames, sitting on them. We tried dipping them in soap water. Uh, we were like looking up remedies online and, and eventually we found one YouTube video of this lady with gloves on. <laughs> she showed us how to do it. And that was a cool little moment because we realized we could actually fulfill these orders and do it. <laughs> Awesome. So you hand built these things, right? Yeah, with uh, with love. So how long did it take before you could like, what was the next scale in manufacturing? How about that? What's the next scale in manufacturing? Yeah. How'd you scale it? So if you can imagine myself working on these things, it, it hit a point where we couldn't scale this. The idea of it at the beginning was being able to allow people to customize them. If you wanted blue arms mm-hmm. and a black front and red lenses, you could create that. And really, people on our site spent little time on the custom page, and the sales weren't as high. They were about 10%. And everybody was kind of defaulting to our pre-existing models that we had created. But still, I had to build all of them, None, needless to say. So 
it just started developing into an inventory issue where we would be out of all the black arms and just have black fronts. And now we can't make our black on black top sellers. So that was a, that was a real thing. So we realized that we were getting into some retail shops and we needed to add packaging and, and scale this thing so we could sell on e-commerce as well as retail. And that was when I stopped making them. Thank God. Cause my fingers were going to fall apart. <laughs> what, uh, so what was the next step? Um, at that point, we had, uh, you just, I guess the next you just step, made, you just made set sunglasses and then contracted someone to make them for you or co-pack uh, them. Yeah, or? We just had them pre-built, pre-built um, at our manufacturer and they were packaged, they were labeled, barcoded. Sure. We really wanted to build them out for retail because at the time we thought that was going to be a huge channel for us. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it really, um, it took away from me building them, which was great. So they just came in sets and, you know, we just picked and packed them and sent them out to shops and uh, online customers. Right. Um, so you market these things almost exclusively on social media, the internet, we'll say. You don't have magazine ads or you don't pay for models to wear them, right? A little bit of both. Back in the day, we used to we thought that you had to do magazine ads. And, you know, once digital marketing started really kind of hitting um, for, for us, we realized that we can measure that a lot easier than how many people, you know, a magazine have a, has a long lifespan. But um, for us, we needed that instant feedback and results to grow. Uh, it kind of led us to fully focusing on, on social media, advertising and Google, PVC, um, just the web, basically. Then we could really analyze what was happening with our money that we're spending. Sometimes we, we send out products to people to post, but um, it doesn't have the best engagement. So we try to do it organically. And if people want to wear our stuff or, or exchange for a post, we'll send them some gear and just kind of follow up to ensure they post. And that if they can influence the people directly around them, it, you know, it's a win for us. So it, is it all Facebook and Instagram? We do majority of our stuff on Facebook um, just because 96% of people don't ever log out of Facebook and that's where they are. And you can target people so well. Um, it just become its own beast as, as easy as it is to really hypothetically put up an ad and target you and your studio that it's grown and it's harder. You got to pay to play and and you can waste a lot of money if you're not careful with it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I've, I've struggled with, uh, digital marketing in the past, uh, being an independent business owner, you know, just a brick and mortar shop coming from, I mean, I, I learned business in the eighties, dude, you know, literally with my mom when I was a little kid, nineties, right. Um, there wasn't digital marketing back then. Right. I think that might've meant if you saw a photo of something that was digital marketing maybe, but I, I, it's, it's been a struggle for me to like trans, you know, to go over from selling hard products and knocking on people's door to buy stuff, so to speak. Right. To this new, you know, new industry. I mean, new way of marketing and new way of selling. Right. Right. It's a whole different, like, um, I read this book, Don't Make Me Think, and it's about website usability. And people, within a matter of milliseconds, when they land on your website, they have a perceived notion of what it is. Like if someone landed on Nectar and they thought they were going to Ray-Ban, they would filter through a few pages before being like, holy shit, this is not Ray-Ban, and they bounce and then leave. And it's hard to really judge experiences like that for people. But the whole book is about nowadays it's shifted to where people don't even really read things as much as they used to. They look for icons and things that will benefit them like free shipping polarized add to cart what you didn't even read any of the specs or you just saw a photo and liked it and then like those other icons and now you're 
buying. But like with advertising, though, it's what is diff- difficult is that people are using these platforms in so many different ways. You know, we'll hit people early on on a mobile device because for us, mobile conversion isn't nearly as high as desktop. So the likelihood of them buying on their phone is a lot less than on, at home, relaxing and being able to type in their credit card info. So we'll do cross-device marketing. Hit them again at night between certain hours so that we hopefully they'll be on their computer when they, we, we see them again. Um, and then from a, just an ad perspective, you have to have somebody buy into the ad to click on it. And then when they get to the ad, it's got to take them to a familiar page where they know where they're going. And then they got to buy into the brand. And then from there, you got to sell them on your products and why they're better than somebody else's. And then after that, get them to you know, buy from you. And I think the customer experience starts from the ad and it's all the way until that product gets delivered and experienced and put on. The buyer's journey. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a long way. <clears throat> it is a long way. You know, you have to convince yourself to buy something. You know, people can sell, sell, sell to you, but you have to convince yourself. And, you know, it's, it's easily unconvinced yourself as well. Right. That's exactly what you're talking about is like making it where, you know, you don't have to read anything. People just like buy into the brand because they like this, that and the other about the imagery that they see in front of them. Exactly. Right. It's a it's almost like video or or man, it's actually very like art like. It is. I think music is tough. Like I have some people locally that have good bands and you know, if you think about the product side of it, it's vastly different. You know, they have to have somebody listen to the whole thing and like it. And which is how food is different. People have to taste your product and like it. And then we have to get people to wear it and like it. They're very different, very different uh, elements of, of how you sell people uh, and grow your loyal fan base differently. Do you do Facebook ads? Yeah, we do some, we do Facebook, Instagram, and then, uh, we do a lot of testing. That's kind of the, the way that we do a lot of stuff and kind of seeing what we get the best feedback from. And then we put, start pushing that way. Back to the statistics, mm-hmm. right? That's, that is the beauty of digital, digital marketing is you get to get all that stuff, man. When people come into my shop and turn around and leave, I don't know what they just did. But like right. if they, you know, if they come into your store and they check out this pair of brown glasses and this pair of brown glasses and this pair of brown glasses, it means they were looking for brown glasses and you didn't maybe have what they wanted. Exactly. Right, right, right. But, but I would never know that, you know, uh, wow, man, modern world, 1984, they're watching us. Hey, uh, let's use that to take a break. This is Chip and Sean on the real dirt. We'll be back in a moment. These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. And we are back. Real Dirt, Chip Baker, Sean Holmes, Nectar Sunglasses. So it sounds so exciting, Sean. And you've said some of the like pitfalls to uh, owning your own business. But man, are there some specific problems or pain points that, that have been significant or either in problems or significant in like how, how you were excited about the solution? Yeah, I think, you know, every business, you just got to deal with problems. I think 
for us, things that have been difficult to pursue have been retail. And early on, uh, you know, the business was kind of formed to be in this action sports world where we thought we needed to sponsor athletes. We thought we had to be in retail locations to be successful. And um, eyewear is super competitive. It, it's like me going into your shop and if you had a surf shop and I have to take out Oakley and put Nectar in as a, just a rough example, you have to get that opportunity. And then once you get it, you got to run with it and make sure that you're selling through and your product is is, is crushing it. Um, so that was really difficult for us to get shot down from shops year over year. We, we were growing it just not as aggressively. And then you got to chase down, you know, surf shops and stuff that the manager will be in the background acting like he's not there. You got a 90 day overdue invoice for these dudes. It's like, it's a $500 invoice, man. Let's, how are you buying 60 surfboards and you can't pay for these glasses? Mm-hmm. Um, so retail has been, you know, difficult and, Kind of, we discussed earlier that my analogy for which I my theory about it, I guess, is that there's so many physical products that people launch themselves, and um, on a, you know every day new products are coming out, but not all of them have a physical location to to retail their own products in, and there's little limited space, and, and a lot more of us with online shops that want to get into those little retail locations, and you have to you have to fight for it, you got to be better than everybody else, and and I think we were not quite mature enough as a, as a brand and a company yet early on to even be involved. Like I think now we're at a really good place where we have all the displays and, and tools needed to be successful. And two, three years ago, we weren't there, um, which I hate admitting, but you know, you, you, <laughs> we're in a much better spot now. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you, man. I mean, uh, first starting out selling soil and nutrients, you know, you're nobody, you go into these shops, you, you, you know, front your product out to people and then you're kind of a nobody. So like you're last on the list to get paid where, you know, the distributors where they get most of their other product, they got this whole other deals going and like they always get paid. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it's difficult getting market share when nobody knows your brand. Right. Or, you know, you're just starting out. They don't know how, if you're going to be in business tomorrow or the next day, they don't have confidence in you. Those are yeah. difficult moments for sure. It's like they're buying into you as a person when you're selling them because they know it's your baby. And yeah, if totally. you believe in it, then you got to follow through. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. That is the thing. You got to believe in it. Um, and man, some people, they, you know, it, it, it's some people can just sell anything. I, I can't, I can't sell anything. Right. Um, for dirt, for sure, I can sell dirt and grow supplies, probably most grow supplies, right? Um, and, and when I mean sell them, I mean like work the price, work, you know, the the product, compare the product to other products that you're using. Like I could sell it like that. But uh, th- that's it. Some people can just sell anything naturally, man. I've had, I've yeah. had to work at it for years. Uh, yeah, it's a, I'm not that type of person, but... I've obviously developed my pitches over, over trade show years and uh, gotten better at it. But Right. I think, so are you direct to consumer? Is it direct to consumer? Yeah, we do B2B as well. So we sell to the retail part of our business and then mm-hmm. through online. Um, we recently started doing stuff just like we did for the event where we met, um, kind of event glasses. And mm-hmm. we're doing some for some bands as well. I'm Freeze McGee. We're doing some really cool custom shades for them and um, kind of branched out in different ways to just expose the brand and also add value to their merch because you can only wear your favorite band t-shirt once a month or more if you're a fanatic. You can wear our product every day, which is, I think, a really unique thing. Yeah, right. What's uh, the future hold here? 
What's going on now with? Oh, with us, we are. I mean, what's we were going talking on about now? what's going on now with you guys? Because we we hadn't really we hadn't really got yeah. there yet. So right now, we we kind of backtrack to the, the story of it. I went from our my apartment in Atlanta, Georgia, um, moved to Richmond, Virginia, where we were from, to grow with people we knew and networks, and that was fantastic for the for the business. But we're surfers, so we needed to be near the ocean, and um, that was the reason we started this thing to have some freedom and get to do what we love and. I uh, came to Charleston, so we had been using from apartment to Richmond, my little hands building these fucking things. <laughs> and then retail happened. Uh, we got them made together, and we had third-party fulfillment centers doing our pick and pack. And then as we continued to grow, the volume um, didn't quite make sense for us as a business to pay the pick pack fees. So found a really cool location here in Charleston, um, took on all of the fulfillment. So we had to hire warehouse people. We had to, I had to build the infrastructure for inventory and that was kind of intimidating, and um, at the same time, it allowed us to control our product and, and scale the way we wanted to scale from the beginning. Um, so now we're we have about seven employees full time and interns uh, who are fantastic, um, and we're at a good spot. We want to keep it lean, but we want to be able to have the opportunity to scale as long as the foundation is right. That's exciting. You've just entered the cannabis industry. You've just entered the cannabis industry. You've got a couple of new products coming out. I know I'm carrying them at my stores, Cultivate Colorado. You have a LED glass as well, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're the first company for that, but uh, uh, it's uh, definitely the first company we carry that has an LED lens as well as a uh, an HID lens. Yeah, um, it's crazy that the lights are so different um, visually yeah. when you look at them. And then, I don't know, can you touch on this? How did people do it back in the day? Like, how did you see if a plant had something wrong with it before this whole, you know, eyewear thing? Man, <laughs> you sat around the plants and you consumed massive amounts of ganja, right? At some point, you become like at one with the plant and you vibed it out. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense <laughs> makes total sense huh no the glasses are something new man it's it's uh it allows you to do something that people couldn't see before do before there there are some people do have the ability to see the color change right uh because they're just so aware of the plants so I'm, i am being serious about that to some degree as you do vibe with the plants Right. Uh, and and some people have the ability to see the color change, whether it's becoming, you know, there's mold or there's bugs or there's, you know, it's not the same vigor growth or as the next plant to it. It's just human observation, really. Right. Do you think their eyes have adjusted to that lighting to a degree? You know, you know, I don't I, I don't know because. Uh, super intense I, like i don't know how you yeah, could it's but. it's super i don't know about that because i see people i've seen people doing it in um greenhouse indoor outdoor light up right they can just see the color change right and uh that that just comes from wisdom and experience man yeah. you know years years of just watching the plants grow right that's how you get it you get a you get a fast forward with the glasses as soon as you put the glasses on you step forward like 10 years of growing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not as fortunate. Right. 
because we can't even, you know, it's a felony for us to grow a plant here. So that's something I'm excited to learn more about. Like when we come, comes to you guys, I'd love to get like a, Oh yeah, totally. We got a, a few great spots to go to. We'll go see some people that got some, uh, uh, bad plants and people that got great plants and, you know, uh, so you can see the full range of it. Yeah. I think that's kind of like next level. Next thing step for us is like we ordered a, a small amount to test the indoor grow eyewear because I've kind of assumed that we're going to need to make modifications and, and changes to it to improve it. And I, I do want to come out and like just get real feedback. You know, it's hard when you get feedback from people that, you know, and they don't give you the, the honest feedback. And I like yeah. the, the, the tough stuff. So I want to make this of a success for, for this industry because I think it's an asset to, to growing. You know, you jump 10 years up, you can see the shit. I mean, HPS is really the sodium in there is not good um, for your eyes. Um, and that's kind of what our whole thing is protect your eyes. That's our company. But um, excited to like develop it further and, and get more feedback and then actually go there and smoke it and see yeah, it. Yeah, man. Because it's <laughs> legal in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely smoke you out when you're here, Sean. Yeah, I uh, can't do the edibles, though. That I had the worst experience of my life. Yeah, flying that shit back tears me up. up, too. I can, I can, I, I can eat small amounts, small amounts, but like, you know, like five mils or 10 mils, something like that. Yeah. But, uh, five. Yeah, for sure. Not 40, not a hundred. Wow, man. People just, I just, I just, it just has to affect you differently. You know? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I got, I got locked up on a plane. I just couldn't, I thought we were in space and we were not, <laughs> we were just on the <laughs> shuttle going over to the land takeoff area. I thought we were like in the space, in the air about to crash and we weren't there yet. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Well, Hey Sean, what's, what's next, man? Yeah, I think, you know, next for us is, you know, we want to grow this, our, our company in general nectar. We want to be the next big Ray-Ban because I feel like they've lost their soul and we, and we're the next ones to come up because we have an affordable price point. And, you know, we, we market it and we do the things that, you know, we push like the hardest you, you know, if you don't go out and live your life and you're pushing something that you don't even do, then I mean, I don't grow weed, but <laughs> I guess my example would be like surfing and our brand is built around going to the beach and our product is made to do that. And if people you talk to that are surfers and you don't surf, you kind of know immediately that they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but really our, our part of the core business is just enjoying life with hiking and we grew up snowboarding and skating and that's still what we do today and surf as much as we possibly can. And that's my version of the sweet life. And I think growing the brand to make sure that everybody can kind of connect with it in their own ways. Like my grandmother, all her friends wear them to water aerobics because that's their sweet life and get on them, you know, look good. You're in there, man. Stoners love sunglasses we have forever. Yes. Right. I think it's a great market to be in. I'm stoked. Uh, you've got this this product to market. I'm stoked to have it on my shelf. I know it fills the space there. Uh, yeah, we're excited. And, um, we appreciate you uh, taking us on. Like I, you know, as I said before, the retail has been tough, and um, I'm excited to see how sales kind of pick up with with your shops. Oh man, I bet we sell some. That's for sure. Uh, we sell the other stuff. We often can't keep it in stock. Right. Yeah. Um, so then there's a place for yours for sure. Oh, I got one more question for you, man. One, yeah. one last question. So here's what I'm interested in. You came from the office today. Yeah. That first order you had was for how many? That first pre-order was for? Oh, like the, when we bought the first round of inventory. Yeah. And you pre, and you had like 31, 36 glasses pre-sold or something. 
this is like a 15, 20 days of pre-orders. We had 32 orders. 32 right orders. 32 orders. Yeah. So uh, how many orders you have today? Uh, let me check. We have about 71. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, vastly different than getting a couple a day. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, that's great, dude. Hey, man, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, Chip, I appreciate it. You keep... <laughs> Your podcast is uh, incredible, and it seems to be that you're sinking lower in your chair as the, <laughs> as the joint gets on. Man, I'm trying to keep up with my, I'm trying to keep up with my microphone. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I really do appreciate it, and we're excited to, uh, you know, for this new opportunity in the in the cannabis world. So thank you. Yeah, man, we'll see you again. Cool. Later, bud. Later. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Real Dirt. Really enjoy talking to entrepreneurs like Sean. This was a great interview for me i seem i learned so much from him and i became enthusiastic over uh manufacturing and entrepreneurism if you want to know more about sean you can just look him up at nectar sunglasses if you want to download more episodes of the real dirt go to the or look us up on itunes at the real dirt podcast